Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Greetings, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. In my career from the battlefield to Congress, honor and integrity have always been my compass. When it comes to building a precious metals portfolio for my family, I choose United Patriot Corps. Their commitment to honesty and transparency aligns with everything I stand for. They care about our great country and focus on serving patriots from all walks of life. They've teamed up with veterans of the precious metals market to create a new kind of gold dealer designed to serve the needs of a new type of gold buyer. And that's why I know I can trust them when it comes time to buy my gold and silver. If you value honesty and reliability as I do, then join me. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. As you know, we have been highlighting many uh, candidates because we have a primary season coming up here in the state of Texas. As a matter of fact, our early voting will be starting on the 20th of February, running to the 1st of March. And then Super Tuesday will be here in Texas on Tuesday, the 5th of March. And one of the individuals that we uh, were interested in talking to is a candidate for Texas House District 85. That's Tim Greeson. Tim Greeson is a native Texan. He graduated from Texas A&M University. Whoop! with a bachelor's degree in engineering and later obtained his professional engineering license. He has worked in various industries as a structural engineer and naval architect, including oil and gas, maritime and forensic engineering. In 2016, Tim opened his own engineering firm, and to date, he says his greatest professional achievement has been his work with the Battleship Texas Foundation, restoring the historical Battleship Texas, which is located right there at the San Jacinto Battlefield. If you're ever visiting Texas, you need to go down there and see the San Jacinto Battlefield and see the USS Texas. Tim, thank you so much for joining us here at the Steadfast and Law Podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, you know, one of the things that I read about here is that you were born with a neuromuscular disease. But you overcame that, and that tells me a lot about your character. Talk to us about fighting through that neuromuscular disease. Yes, sir. I have a disease called the congenital myasthenic syndrome. It means uh, born with and a grave muscle weakness. So it makes me physically weaker with less endurance. I, I, you can't tell the day that I have it unless uh, we try to go out and run a mile or do a bunch of push-ups. But um, when I was in a, uh, uh, a teenager, I was in a wheelchair. I would use a wheelchair to get from classroom to classroom and I couldn't walk that far. Um, I could always walk a little bit, but um, well, they thought there was a version of my disease that 
would turn terminal if you worked out. And so I was always told by the doctors, don't work out. Don't try to push yourself. Just live with what you got. And um, I was told that I would never be able to be a firefighter. I'd never be able to um, fly an airplane. I'd never even be able to walk around Walmart again, that I would have to always use a wheelchair for something like that far. So I made that a personal checklist. And um, when I got to college at A&M, as you know, A&M is not small. Mm-hmm. It was about a mile, a little under a mile from my dorm room to the engineering side of campus. And I had a scooter instead of a, a wheelchair. I, the, my disease in my arms too. And I couldn't push myself that far without getting fatigued. That scooter was uh, not designed properly and it wound up breaking. I borrowed one from the school and it, it didn't work. Um, I borrowed one from my great grandfather at the time over in Austin and drove over, got it, brought it back. It didn't work. Finally, my dad brought one. And uh, so I had four scooters in my dorm room and my roommate who was not um, particularly religious at the time just looked at me and said, hey, Tim, I think God might be trying to tell you something. And so I got up and started walking and I sat on every single bench from uh, my dorm room to the engineering side of campus. And uh, the second week, I built up enough muscle to sit on every other bench. Third week, I sat on every third bench. By the seventh week, I was walking uh, all the way across without having to sit down, and I haven't used one since then. And I walk around Walmart all the time when I need to go shopping with the family. I've been a volunteer firefighter EMT for more than a decade. And um, although I haven't gotten my pilot's license, I've made sure to go fly a little Cessna a couple times just to check it off the list. Well, I want to tell you that your drive and determination, I wanted to make sure that people got an opportunity to hear that story because to me, that tells me a lot about the measure of who you are and your character. And you're the right type of person, I feel, that is going to represent the people in State House District very well. So let's talk about how you have this you know, successful business. You've been working as a professional engineer, and now you've made the decision to step into the, uh, you know, the morass, if I can say that, of politics <laughs> and, and serving the people yes. there in your House District. First of all, tell us where are the geographical uh, boundaries, the area for House District 85? Yes, sir. It's five counties and part of Fort Bend. So it's Waller, Austin, Colorado, Fayette, and Wharton counties. And then a small part of Fort Bend County. It comes up through the southern Fort Bend County. It grabs parts of Needville, all of Thompson's. There's a Brazos Bend State Park is completely within our district. And it grabs the southern part of Sugarland. So, and, uh, so you're talking about west of Houston and Kansas. Yes, yeah, yeah. West of Houston. West of if you're driving from Houston to Austin, you're going to spend about half your time in our district on I-10 and 77. Very well. And also, one of the things, you've got a, a great amount of Texas history that is there in that district. We do. Tell we us do. about, tell us about the Texas. Austin is yeah. right here. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, San Felipe de Austin is here. Um, and the, the, the Austin, I live in Austin County where San Felipe de Austin is. And uh, I was actually talking to our county clerk the other day, and she was telling me we have documents in the county courthouse at the county clerk's office that date back to 1810. Mm-hmm. They have a whole section of colonial pre, uh, pre-Texas as a nation uh, documents. They have a bunch of documents from when Texas was its own nation and then obviously uh, a bunch since then. They have documents signed by Stephen F. Austin, um, Sam Houston, William B. Travis. You know, Travis was a lawyer and actually did some 
some uh, legal practice in San Felipe de Austin for a little while before he went over to the Alamo. So they have several uh, documents he signed here in, in Austin County. We and, have the uh, San Felipe de Austin uh, Museum, which is yeah. fantastic. If you're driving from Austin to Houston or Houston to San Antonio, highly recommend plan yourself an extra couple of hours, stop by and check it out. It's a great museum. And San Felipe de Austin was also the place where Stephen uh, F. Austin, I mean, San Felipe, yeah, called for the founding of the, the very first 10 Texas Rangers, if I'm correct. He did, yes, sir. Yep. And yes, you've got Washington on the Brazos also in House District 85, which Texas is the only state with its own Declaration of Independence. Yes, sir. Great. So you're a keeper of Texas history in being a, yes, the representative of House District 85. So what yes, drove sir. you to make that decision to, to run for this House District? Well, I am a true conservative. And a, a believer in conservative values. And um, when I woke up and saw that Ken Paxton had been impeached, I said, what in the world is going on here? We have the most conservative attorney general in the nation. Uh, we didn't hire him to be our pastor. We hired him to fight the Biden administration. And he's been doing a fantastic job with that. And then I looked up and found that our representative had impeached him. And so I messaged him and said, what, what are you thinking? Um, we're not willing to accept anything from, from them, but I, there was no evidence. Uh, there was no sworn testimony presented. There was no, uh, um, sorry. I'm sorry, I got, uh, I'm sorry, Alan. Let me put this on, uh, do not disturb. Someone just messed up the. Uh, no problem. I apologize for that. Did that, did it interrupt the, uh, stop no, you're good. Sorry, I'm on we'll my iPad it. and it's connected to some people are trying to call me and I'm, I thought I had it on Do Not Disturb. Yeah, so, we'll edit it. Continue on. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah, so I, we woke up and found that uh, uh, Kim Paxton had been impeached and just said, man, what, what in the world is going on, on here? Um, after that, I started looking more and more into uh, his record. And I used a tool called grassrootspriorities.com. And I highly recommend people go there. I know you had Joanne Fleming on your show mm -hmm. uh, a few uh, shows ago. She helps run that website. She sponsors that website through Grassroots uh, America. And if you look, um, we have one of the most conservative districts. We are a very, very rural, agriculture-heavy, small-town district. And we should have one of the most conservative people in Austin. Instead, we have one of the most liberal Republicans in Austin. Uh, um, he voted to spend taxpayer money on socially transitioning children. Hmm. Amendment number one of House Bill 1898. He votes with lobbyists around 80 percent of the time. Um, that's about double what other conservatives tend to vote with paid lobbyists, by the way. He votes against Republicans uh, around 25 percent of the time. He votes again with Democrats against the most conservative Republicans, one in every four contested votes. We are at desperate times in Texas. We cannot have conservatives that are joining with the Democrats all the time. We have to stand up for our principles and our values. You know, one thing I think we've learned from Governor DeSantis, I'm, I'm a big Trump supporter, but Governor DeSantis has been the best governor in the nation mm -hmm. uh, for the last six or seven years. 
when he won, if you remember, he barely won his first election. Oh, I remember. And the conventional wisdom, yes, sir. And the conventional wisdom is, hey, if you're a Republican, win and then go to the middle, right? Don't don't uh, do conservative things. Do middle of the road at the best. Well, Governor DeSantis bucked that trend. He won and then did what the Democrats do, which is uh, actually implement the policies that we believe in. And now look at Florida. It's yeah. not even a purple state. It's not even close. Yeah. And, man, we have this reputation in Texas of being extremely conservative. And I think all of us real conservatives know it's, it's hanging on by a thread. Yeah. We, the, now is not the time for mediocrity. Now is not the time for middle of the road. Now is the time to stand up for our conservative principles, go to Austin and actually get real, real change. Why did it take three or four sessions to get constitutional carry? Why was it mm -hmm. such a, a hassle to get uh, medical transitioning to children uh, to be banned? You know, that bill was difficult to get passed. And that's not even a conservative or, or Democrat thing. Most Democrats I know don't want to be medically transitioning children. And uh, uh, I, I'm just we we are in desperate times. We need regular people to stand up and run and take positions in government. Because the career politicians, the government workers, they, they are not going to save us. You know, one of the things that my dad taught me growing up back in Georgia, Tim, was that the only thing in the middle of the road is roadkill. So you're running and challenging an incumbent. <laughs> yeah, you're yes, running sir. and challenging an incumbent. So what are the legislative priorities that you have that differentiate you from, I think, is uh, State Representative Kitzman? Yes, sir, that's correct. Uh, for starters, uh, we've got to secure the border. Uh, um, we need to secure the border from El Paso to Brownsville. That's the number one most urgent thing that we have going on. Um, they, everybody recognizes that's a problem, even Democrats in our state. Um, the difference is they spent a lot more on corporate welfare in the budget than they did actually securing the border. Mm -hmm. They spent enough to secure the border to send out a bunch of mailers saying, look what we did. And now Governor Abbott, I, I completely support what he's doing in the, in the region of uh, Eagle Pass. My question is, why now? We've had this problem for years. We could have done this two or three years ago, and it should have been done two or three years ago. It's a little conspicuous that we're doing this right before a primary uh, election. Also, um, these guys love to beat their chest about the recent uh, border bill that was passed. Well, it wasn't nearly as good as House Bill 20, um, I wish we had done that one instead, but it was killed by a point of order from a uh, Democrat parliamentarian appointed by Dade Feeling. Um, I, I'm glad we have the, the border bill that we got out of the last special session or the second to last, but it's not it's not nearly enough. It's just a start. Yeah. And um, I just can't help but wonder how many lives would have been saved if we had been focusing on securing the border instead of impeaching Ken Paxton. Um, and that bill, by the way, is as of today still not implemented it's signed but it doesn't go until effect until march 4th mm -hmm. so it's such a priority for them that they wanted to delay it until the day before uh the primary vote i think that I should tell everybody what their real priorities are in addition to that we've got to secure our elections we've got to give the attorney general the uh, permission to um, investigate election fraud in these democrat cities um, as somebody who lives west of houston uh, what goes on in Houston does affect us. However, if Democrats want to cheat, I, I, 
that's kind of their problem. I don't really care. The problem comes in in statewide races, in regional races. We have a couple of judges that are on the on the ballot where Austin County is lumped in with Harris County, where Waller County is lumped in with Harris County. If if they cheat in Harris County, that takes away votes from people in our district. Yeah. And the Soros funded Democrat D.A. of Harris County is not going to investigate any uh, election fraud in Harris County whatsoever. Let, let me just let me just explain. Let me just explain to the audience what Tim is talking about. Uh, recently, the Criminal Course of Appeals eight to one decision uh, stripped away the ability of the Attorney General in Texas to prosecute uh, voter fraud cases here in Texas. And of course, when you look at the biggest proponency for uh, election irregularities, they are in the large, major urban population centers, which are all controlled by uh, leftist Democrats and, of course, uh, many with Soros-appointed district attorneys, for instance, where I live here in Dallas County. So I just wanted to explain that to the, yes, to the audience. Yeah. Ab yes, sir. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, we've got to stop the uh, transitioning of children. So we voted. They, they have now banned medical transitioning, which is where they cut things off and they give uh, drug therapies and hormones to children. However, uh, it is still perfectly legal in Texas for you to take a child to a, a licensed professional counselor. And that counselor can tell that little boy or girl that they can be the opposite sex. Uh, that to me is encouraging mental illness, not treating it. Mm -hmm. And I, I stand against the entire transgender movement. Um, I compare it to anorexia. The problem with anorexia is that the brain doesn't match the body. And if you show up to a hospital as an anorexic person and say, I want lap band surgery, the answer is no, that's, that's going to harm you, not help you. And that's true whether you're 12, 16, 30, or 50. It doesn't change whether you're a minor or an adult. Similarly, if you show up to a hospital and say, I'd like to learn, I'm, you know, if you're anorexic and say, I'd like to learn how to eat fewer calories. Again, the answer is no. You should be put in mental health counseling to help rectify the reality of your body with your brain. And... That's the way gender dysphoria should be treated, whether they're adults or children. Um, <clears throat> and we, we've done just scratching the surface of that is stopping the medical transitioning of children. Next, we need to stop the social transitioning of children. And then we need to stop uh, transitioning of adults as well. Um, you see, it should not be illegal to be transgender, just like it's not illegal to be anorexic, but there should be a minimum medical standard of care recognizing the mental illness for what it is. Yeah, you know, it's, I forget the member of the Texas State House, uh, he's a medical doctor that said, you know, we don't treat uh, a mental illness with a frontal lobotomy. And so, again, when That's you right. look at what is happening with this gender dysphoria, it is a mental condition. And what we're doing is we're treating <laughs> yes, it sir. with very radical uh, surgical procedures. And you're right, it, you know, our children should not be subjected to that. But you have this medical yes, industrial sir. complex that's making a lot of money off of it. That's that's 100 percent right. These people are confused. They need, you know, they, they need to be uh, loved and cared for and helped, not further harmed you know if you're if you're schizophrenic you don't show up to the the counselor and the counselor says oh yes i hear all the voices yeah. right that doesn't help and so, and if people who are, are in that state need help 
not encouragement to go further into their mental illness. So, you know, we're getting down to crunch time. Early voting is about to start yes, here sir. in Texas in this primary. What's your focus going into early voting? What do you think will help you in getting people to rally to your side and to your cause? Because I think it's about getting people out to vote. So how do you push getting people out to vote and voting for you, Tim? Yes, sir, absolutely. So obviously we're doing social media. We're doing multiple events every day. Uh, we're knocking on doors every single day. We have a big letter writing campaign going on with my campaign. We've contacted around 7,000 voters through letters. As you know, I don't take money from lobbyists, so I haven't sent a single mailer. Um, and uh, it, it, it's we're being buried in mailers right now. Yeah. But lobbyists, money, and mailers, they aren't votes. Yeah. What we are asking our supporters to do is to call their friends, call their neighbors, when we talk, we still have several candidate forums to go, even though early voting is starting very soon. And um, when I talk, I tell people, listen, I don't need you to take a yard sign. I need you to take 10, put one in your yard, give the other nine out to other friends of yours. We need to learn from the Democrats. We don't want to emulate everything they do. We certainly don't want to be do illegal things. However, they bank their vote. And that's one thing we're really stressing to Republicans. Um, I would love to do away with early voting if I could. However, uh, it's not. It's here today. That's the rules of the game today. So banking your vote is where you go vote during the early voting process. And then you contact your friends. You contact your neighbors. You hound them until they vote. And then on election day, you volunteer for a campaign. You go to a polling location. You speak for us. You uh, carpool people to the polls. You help get the vote out yourself. I ask people all the time in the, in these uh, uh, forums, how many of you want the big money out of politics? Every single person raises their hands. Yeah. And I say, well, there's only one way to do that. One is all of you need to pull out a checkbook and write me a $5,000 check right now, which <laughs> I highly doubt I couldn't even do. I highly doubt everybody in the room can. The other way is we can outwork them. And that's what we're doing. Good. And it takes more than just me. It's, it's a whole movement. It's a grassroots movement that's taking shape. You know, I've got one question for you um, on the election integrity issue. Would you yes, support? Sir. Would you support closing the primaries that we have here in the state of Texas? Absolutely, yes, sir. I don't know why. I, I guess it made sense at a certain time period, but I, I support closing the elections today. Um, in the past. You know, Republicans and Democrats had similar values and similar goals and just had different ideas of getting there. And so it, it, you saw a lot of people who would vote in one versus the other. Today, we're really two different nations. You know, we're trying to bring back individual freedoms, liberties. The Democrats are trying to mutilate children. And we've got to stop them from voting in our primaries. I know for sure there is one county in ours in particular where uh, my opponent is really targeting Democrats and Democrats are planning to cross over and vote in the Republican primary. These people have absolutely no intention of voting for us during the, the November election, but they're, uh, they're going to cross over and vote uh, to try to keep the liberal in, in the office. Yeah. 
They shouldn't be picking our team members. Last question, Tim, before I let yes, you go, sir. and this is what I do with everyone. I want you to talk to the audience of the Steadfast and Law podcast. I want you to explain to them in a couple of minutes, maybe three minutes tops, why is your race as a challenger to the incumbent in Texas State House District 85 important to them? People from outside of your district, people from outside the state of Texas, why does it matter to them? Yes, sir. Well, if we if we lose Texas, uh, we're going to lose the nation. We, we have got to save Texas. And the state house is the number one thing in Texas that is holding back our true conservative potential. Uh, the speaker of the house kills a ton of conservative legislation. Um, the other uh, liberal Republicans, the rhinos, they see to it that true conservative legislation either is slow walked or doesn't make it to the floor at all. And we've got to have a strong Texas in order to have a shot at having, having a strong you know, America. Um, again, you see that in our attorney general, the fights that our attorney general uh, wins against the Biden administration, uh, that affects the entire nation, not just Texas. And the border in particular, we've got to secure the border. These people coming in, a lot of them, unfortunately, stay here in Texas. However, a lot of illegal aliens go up into the rest of the, the nation. So we've got to get our borders secured. We've got to uh, show the blueprint for how to do that. That way, the other uh, southern border states and northern border states, by the way, there's a lot of illegal aliens coming across the northern border today as well. If we can show how to seal that border and how to uh, expel illegal aliens, that will be a blueprint for our nation. And we can really turn it around. I know it feels like we are losing Texas because we are. It feels like we are losing our nation because we are. I'm not willing to just let it go. I've got two small children. I want them to grow up more free than me, not less free. They currently are not as free as I was growing up, and they're certainly not on a trajectory to, uh, to increase that. We've got to turn that around. What we've seen in the, the great American experiment, the great Texas experiment, is individual liberty, individual freedom is the key to economic and social prosperity. We want, uh, I, I've worked all over the world in oil and gas. And what I've found is everybody around the world is very, very similar. We want to love our family. We want our kids to grow up and be more successful than we are. We want them to stand on our shoulders. And that means in the U.S. here that we have the absolute best opportunity for that. And, but that starts with freedom. And we've got to preserve that. We've got to preserve our way of life. And, uh, and it starts here in Texas, in House District 85. Well, Tim Greeson, I want to thank you so very much for being us with us here at Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You know, Joanne Fleming with Grassroots America, We the People has endorsed you. And you have the Colonel yes, Allen sir. West Steadfast and Loyal endorsement. And I'd just like for you thank to you, share sir. with Al, oh, you earned it. Uh, you know, your drive and determination. I mean, that that is a great story. I would like for you to share with the audience yes, uh, how they can support you, your website. Yes, sir. My website is www.timfortexas.com. That's four with a number. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We do a little bit on Twitter. Uh, we're mostly on Facebook because that's where the people are. My cell phone is 281-352-4638. I think everybody in the district should have that. And, uh, and even outside, um, 
feel free to call or text. I actually answer it. It's not my assistant. That's my cell phone. And we'd love to hear from you. www.tim4texas.com. My job is to be a representative. Um, I'm in very good touch with our district, but I, it still helps to hear from people within our district every single day. Boy, I tell you what, that, that ladies and gentlemen, is courage to publicly put your cell phone number out there. And let me tell you something. If anybody sends Tim Greeson a crank call or a threatening call, you will have to deal with me because he showed the courage to put out his cell phone number on this podcast. So God bless you, Tim. Thank you so very much. And go out there yes, and sir. gig them, Aggie. Gig them, okay? Yes, sir. Gig them. Yes, All sir. Right. God Thank bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Step Fashion Law Podcast. Go out there and learn more about Tim Greeson. If you did enjoy this episode, please click the like button and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.